Support for this podcast comes from HealthNetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? HealthNetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. HealthNetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at HealthNetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. Eurobashing, it's episode 39 this week, and uh, Noel McGrath is actually off in Porto on some kind of Southside stag trip that takes a week and not just a couple of days. So we've drafted in the services of Team KF head coach, former Cage Warriors middleweight champion, and all-around handsome man, Chris Fields. How are you, sir? I'm great, yeah. My voice a little bit shot. I was cornering at the weekend, but I'll do my best. I think I sound more luscious now. I think I might have made you slightly more erotic, if anything. <laughs> Is Laura happy with this? <laughs> We're into Barry White territory now. I uh, was at Metallica at the weekend. I realized that I can't consume as much alcohol as I could when I was 18. Uh, I was very mucky. And I left early to get the bus home early, Chris. All right, That's what age I am now. You left early to get the bus home. Oh, come on. I should also actually state that we're using one microphone because... Uh, my other microphone actually gave it to Noel McGrath, who's too busy in Porto to do this podcast. So unfortunately, we're going to be we're just living off one at the moment. He's on a stag in Porto, did you say? Yeah, like I mean, it must be an elder gentleman. I mean, yeah. Noel Noel's about fifty-two years of age, so what? I'm guessing second or third marriage. Whoever is fifty-two years of age still can't grow a mustache. What? <laughs> he had a good mustache for a while. What did you do this weekend apart from corner fighters like you're always doing? And who did you have uh, in action? I had, uh, there was five of my guys fighting. We went, uh, four and one. Uh, we had, um, the first fight was Takamandu. Uh, he won a, a very dominant decision. Uh, the second fight was Ryan Shelley. Um, that's a kickboxer lad who had that viral KO, is it? Uh, yeah. Or his brother. No, Which no, one? No, no, yeah. That's, that's the slagger. No, Ryan was the one with the left high kick knockout. Uh, he, um, he won as well. Um, and then we had Camille, Camille Winston. <laughs> Beautiful name. Yeah, yeah. He, he uh, he won, so so it's kind, that's kind of just what we say now at this point. Uh, Danny McGowan then uh, was having his debut, and a week before, uh, there was an opponent change and a weight change. He went in and had an absolute war, but uh, lost a, a decision, close decision, in what I would have regarded as fight of mine. And then Carl Gallagher uh, defended his title. Is it true what I heard about Carl Gallagher? We were just discussing this moments ago. When I said I went to Metallica, you said this guy won a title and then drove to Metallica. Yeah, he, he defended his belt in a, in a tough three-round fight. Like and This is in Belfast, is it? In Belfast. Oh got in the car and drove to Metallica. And I'm there. To, <laughs> I'm like, just be calm with the drinks tonight. And he said, uh, oh, yeah, I just need to stay out of the mosh pits. I'm mad. Yeah, <laughs> I love it, though. Love it. That is, that's the spirit. Um, must be a far younger man than me. That's all I'm going to say based on my experiences. Yeah, I wouldn't say you got the early bus home. But... <laughs> I was in town for midnight. <laughs> But um, yeah, as we know, a big uh, week of fights, a big weekend of fights. We have a new double champion. I'm just going to shoot through these headlines very quickly, Chris, and we'll give our reaction to them slightly after. Um, Henry Cejudo is the latest champ champ in the UFC. He got a third round TKO finish over Marlon Moraes. 
Um, did you see that fight by the way? Like, I mean, yeah. I was quite surprised by how he was able to overwhelm in the, in the second and third because when I just looked at the first round, I was like, this guy's in trouble here. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, I, I thought like Morais was going to run away with the fight. Um, I thought, uh, uh, there was obviously a bit of a change up from the corner, but it, it also looked like Morais just started to slow a little bit. And, um, Cejudo with that, like, kind of that grind, that wrestling grind background just put, like, he basically smothered him with pressure. That's what happened. Yeah, he was unbelievable. Um, Shevchenko, d- devastating, devastating KO against probably one of the most, most durable fighters in that division, to be fair. Um, and when you're putting them away like that, a head kick KO. Nasty as well. It looked like Oi was down for a very long time. We're glad to see her come online yesterday and congratulate Shachenko and say everything's going well. But my word, that that woman is... I think she's one of the best fighters on the UFC roster, to be honest, at the moment. Yeah, um, it's not a, a really deep pool there. So it's it's kind of like, is, is she going to have to step into other divisions to uh, yeah. challenge people and see how she does? But that's tough as well, because she's already fought Amanda Nunes twice, know. you know? Yeah, <laughs> and But yeah. she even went the distance with Amanda. Everyone else seems to be getting starts by her in the first round. She's an animal. Like. Yeah, she's... um, And it, that, like this is kind of the unfortunate thing with the ladies' divisions at the moment. Like, you probably have... um, You probably have, like, in that division, it's probably only 10, 12 mm-hmm. girls. Yeah. You know, that kind of way. And she is at the very top of that like so you're getting there's maybe only two girls in the division that can give her a run and then she's done away with them so what does she do now yeah it's a it's a conundrum for the ufc for sure uh ufc 242 got two new fights um steps up in competition for islam makachev he takes on javi ramos and merbeck toysimov uh will take on carlos diego ferreira uh bellator 224 on july 12th we have ed root returning from his first professional loss to Naaman gracie against kichi Kunimoto and Ireland's Kiefer Crosby is back in action against Jonathan Gary. Um, I looked up a bit of stuff on this Jonathan Gary guy. He has like 25 fights, but it's a very even record. I think he's fought on Bellator four times. I think he's two and two, but he is coming into this on, I think it's a three fight losing streak. Um, I mean, we don't know much about this guy. We're not gonna, we're not gonna bullshit you, but, um, it's a big test in terms of a guy who's competed a lot. And that was really my problem with Kiefer. Last few times, uh, Bellator matched him. They, they haven't given him that push up. I don't know if this is a massive push up in terms of skill, but certainly experience. I feel like this guy has, has way more. And the fact that he's been in Bellator and won in Bellator will, um, add to that slightly as well, but maybe not the, uh, the known name that we kind of wanted to see Kiefer go in against, I guess. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I would think with uh, Jonathan that he's kind of like, especially his last five fights. I think he's he's lost four of his last five. <clears throat> he's become accustomed to losing, so I think if Kiefer can put the pressure on, uh, he he'll probably look for a way out. Um, it's a big US thing as well, I guess. Like that's a big deal for an Irish fighter to be brought across to the US. It has ha- happened a few times with Sinead and, and different people. Um, I think I think it's in. Uh, in Thackerville, Oklahoma, excuse me. Oh, I, I often get them mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> San Jose and Thackerville, like they're so similar. Yeah. Who doesn't mess them up? But uh so yeah, I guess it's a, a chance for kind of him to deploy the flag over there and see if the um the uh the Americans are, are really into this SPG thing because they seem to be they seem to be still kind of getting behind it, especially now with so many fighters in the Bellator. Uh, about 25 guys from SBG, I think, in uh, Bellator at the moment. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes for him. Ali Akbari has been released from ACA and his contract talk can begin with the UFC. At least that's the way people see it. Of course, everyone knows Ali Akbari has quite a checkered past in terms of his 
doping experience when he was a a, a wrestler. So um, this will be interesting to see how that develops and if he does sign, what kind of reaction he will get. But Chris, this is the big one I wanted to talk to you about. BT Sports have announced that they're going to charge for UFC 239. We don't know the number yet. Sean Sheehan has been on to the UFC. They've said this will only happen to a number of events. Uh, number like a few events like maybe Connor events things like that big 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 ones uh, as we know this is the big summer card with John Jones and um, Amanda Nunes defending their titles it seems like a bad move to me I'm, I'm gonna I'm just from my own point of view I feel like the casual crossover in in MMA is getting lower and lower uh, my friends say for instance aren't talking about cards the way they used to they used to have a big interest I haven't heard one of them talk about UFC 239 and now to charge for it at 3am when guys are going to be waking yeah. up for that, is it? Do you think this is a bad move? I, I think it's a really bad move. Um, I think, uh, like, I think we're, we're getting charged for it as it is. We have to pay a subscription to watch those, um, and that's kind of they, they've been lucky that, like, we are diehard fans over here. You know, we, people will get up at three a.m. to watch, but they, I, I, I just think they're going to push a lot of people away now. I don't like. I won't pay. I I I adore MMA. I am not paying yeah. to watch that show at three AM. Like that—that that was my immediate reaction as well when I'm looking at that. I'm not doing that. Like I am absolutely not doing that. Like, and oh yeah, I'm gonna have to do it, I guess. But I still what, don't want it. What you're hoping for is the drunk guys come back from the pub, like, and they don't care about those fights. Do you know what I mean? That's that's the issue. Like, like you might get them for a Connor fight. You might, but like for this kind of fight, it's just not going to happen. I think it's a really bad move. <clears throat> I feel like, uh, uh, to be perfectly honest. More and more people are watching these fights illegally than ever. Like, I mean, I know people who know how to watch these things illegally, and they often do it. And as soon as they do it the first time, they're like, why would I ever go back to paying for this? I'm getting a perfect stream here online, blah, blah, blah. Um, Is this kind of pushing that kind of underground again, like, to pushing guys towards illegal streams? I I don't really understand the mentality of it. I know they just, didn't they just redo their deal with BT? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was murder, if you remember, when uh, Eleven Sports were meant to take over, and they suggested that they were going to charge for pay-per-views. There was absolute murder going on. People were losing their minds, so... I I suppose, like, one of the good things uh, about, like... um, like uh like britain and ireland for these kind of things is that uh we come together uh over mma stuff and i think what we should all do is just go none of us are going to get it <laughs> that'll be the end of it that's it dead then it won't happen again that's i feel it. like the reaction has been like that like i feel like everybody's basically jumped down their throat um i know i was away obviously at metallica but sean sheen was trying to get the media in the u.s can you please ask dana white why he's done this like mm. we just need some kind of explanation here uh, nobody did, but you can understand. Obviously, there in the US, this doesn't matter to them at all. They have a, they have a, a kind of a culture where they pay for combat sports anyway. They're they're well used to that. Um, but I don't know. Like, I mean, do you think they'll go ahead with it, or do you think with enough online traction, people giving out shit, do you think they'll actually kind of say, right, we won't do it? I, th- I think the other thing is, is that like, like we are, we have that culture. We've been paying it, like. Like, so, we, like, if you're... Yeah, I keep forgetting that. We yeah, are actually paying for this. I, I, I pay for, like, a, a Sky subscription, and then I pay extra for a, a VT Sports yeah, yeah, yeah. to watch you. So I'm paying it as it is. I am not paying extra on top of that. End of story, like, you know? What if it's even, like, a tenner? Not even? Uh, no, because I just think it'll start at a tenner, and then it'll be, like, 40 euro for the bigger fights or whatever. Once they get us used to it, yeah. they'll just crank it up. Yeah, no, no, no. We all need to take a stand here now. Everyone needs to jump in together on this one. There you go. And uh, Chris Fields has uh, called on the army of Irish MMA online and UK MMA online to stick it to the man. But now, Chris, we'll have to have a look at that epic card that happened over the weekend, UFC 238 from Chicago. As we said at the start, um, Henry Cejudo with the uh, the third round finish over Marlon Monroe's. You know, 
Henry's come out and he said, like, you know, this this achievement, two UFC titles, an Olympic gold medal, he should be considered one of the greatest combat athletes of all time. I mean, if he wasn't so cringy, would we be actually having this conversation? Is, is Henry Cejudo an Olympic gold medalist? <laughs> That's what I, I heard. That's really? what I heard. Anyway. Really? <laughs> Seriously, look. Well, can, can you... Do you, do you think, I mean, imagine if Chris Fields, like, two UFC titles and a gold medal, would you be like, come on, lads. It's like, remember we were having this conversation about Alistair Overeem as well, when he was approaching the UFC title, because he had K1 wins and all this shit. Like, is is Henry to be considered one of the greatest combat athletes of all time? Um, Yeah, I think, I think he'd be considered a lot more if he was in, like, even just slightly heavier weight classes. So if he was um, a lightweight, I think we'd be talking about him a lot more. <clears throat> you know, the... Yeah, the talking point tends to drop the lighter you go down. Like, but uh, his achievements are phenomenal. Um, obviously, like an, an Olympic gold medal is obscene in wrestling. And then uh, uh, to pick up those two titles, and um, to be honest, I, n- I never thought he won that. To me, just Johnson fight, I might get a bit of slack. A lot of people feel that way, though. In fairness, um, but these things happen, in MMA. But it was a, like it was a tight fight, and like I wasn't disgusted that I went his way. I just in my head, I had it the other way. Um, and then uh, his performance last night was or. Sorry, on Saturday was phenomenal. And then the TJ thing, I think that helped a lot because TJ, for whatever reason, was just never loved by the fan base. Yeah. And for him to go in and do that and then for it to come out about the EPO and stuff, yeah. I think that kind of elevated him a lot as well. Mm. And, and you know, that run in itself, Demetrius Don- Johnson, TJ Dillashaw, and now Marlon Moroz, that's that's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, they're, they're three solid guys. And plus, <clears throat> sorry, throwed some bits. Um, EPO doesn't help your chin at all, so it doesn't really matter, like, in that fight. Shit, I've been taking it for ages, hoping I'll be able to yeah, take a gig. Shot, one shot. You'll be able to run for a long time. Uh, but he's, uh, yeah, no, he, like, his achievements are phenomenal in the sport. I suppose his uh, character is what's going to hold him back a little bit, like, um, which it shouldn't matter, and I've always kind of screamed that from the rooftops. It should just be about the sport. But... Uh, I don't, is he is he trolling us? Is he trolling us? I think he's trolling us. Yeah, I, I like I think I think he's kind of just like right. So I, these don't. It doesn't really matter if these people hate me or love me. I just got to make them pay attention to me. And if the king of cringe, if that's the way he wants to do it, I'm I'm ready to watch it, man. I tell you that much. I love it. I love the office. Yeah, that that's what it's like. I I like every bit of me wants to look away, but I keep looking. You know what I mean? Like I'm like oh, but uh, phenomenal athlete. And that fight, um, he like. You know, he was like he was badly losing from the first round, and it looked like the tide just it was not going to turn in any way, shape, or form. And made some adjustments between rounds. Uh, looked like Marais got a little gassy, and he just poured it on like like uh, he sm- He really like he drowned him with pressure. He drowned. Him. I would have never believed it if you had told me at the end of the first round Henry Cejudo was going to stop him in the third. There's no way. And but Shevchenko, we'll move on to Shevchenko. You you were saying earlier that you know, and I agree with you, the talent pool isn't a lot there at 125. It's a relatively new division. Like, I mean, it's most likely that Chukagin is going to go on and take on Shevchenko next after beating Jojo Calderwell. But, I mean, as you said, like, do you feel like it's only a matter of time before we see Shevchenko basically going back up to bantamweight and, and challenging challenging Nunes again? Would you, do you think it will become a situation where Nunes and Shevchenko are such outliers that basically they're going to have to do it again? Yeah, I think um, with those two divisions, you might find uh, for a very long time there'll be 
crossover constantly yeah. because uh, there's just not enough fighters in them and um, people will not tune in to watch her fights. If it, She's head and shoulders above everyone. Yeah, that, and that's the problem and it, and it happens a lot for champions. Uh, it kind of started to happen to Demetrius Johnson a bit too, yeah. you know, when you start to dominate a division, another division that was quite... Uh, like a uh, small, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if she dominates for maybe, a, maybe, maybe another one or two fights, there'll be everyone be screaming for it to go up. This is the thing that a lot of people are talking about after now. Um, after the weekend, Tony Ferguson getting booed after an unbelievable showing in the second round, man, that was violent. And you know, I thought Donald did great in the first round, and then to see what Tony did in the second, just basically overwhelmed him didn't give him a second to breathe hit him in the body and then as i said uh cerrone came out of that second round looking like he fought a lawnmower and um, we, we we saw he blew his nose then at the beginning of the third round and it was subsequently stopped the crowd were booing and um, i was very disappointed with that after what those lads did over the first 10 minutes i thought that was really rude and disrespectful but um will tony ferguson take on the winner of khabib Nurmagomedov and dustin poirier when they take when they throw down in september everybody knows he deserves it but with Connor kind of creeping back in and, and Dana White saying that rematch is a possibility, if we were just talking about meritocracy, surely it would be Tony Ferguson. Yeah, I think if they go any other way, it's a, it's a slap in the face to the sport, to be honest. Um, the guys deserve the shot for ages. 12-point winning streak or something? Against really yeah. like top-of-the-range guys. Um, he... Um, his performance at the weekend, I kind of... I'm, I'm a massive Donald Cerrone fan, have been for a very, very long time. Uh but uh, I, I kind of I thought this is the way the fight would go. Uh, Donald have some early success, and Tony would just smother him. Basically, just what makes him? What makes him like? You know, we we can look at this. We can see he's unorthodox, and we can see this pressure he puts on. But what makes Ferguson so special? So difficult to fight against? Like, how come everybody leaves his fights looking like they've been massacred with with knives? Basically, like their face. Yeah, he, like he doesn't like he doesn't stop in you. He never steps back. He like for. And for his size, he actually doesn't fight with range at all. He just walks in on you, wades forward, taking your best shots. That's so disheartening. Like, you're hitting him. Like, Cerrone, he cracked him a few times, yeah. shook his head back, um, and he'd just be right in front of you again, hitting you again. And, like, usually you expect if you land, like, a good two on someone, they're going to step back, you get a little breather. You land two on him, and he hits you two back, and then he's there, and he's hitting you three. And then he elbows you, and he does some mad spinny shit. And then you try to take him down, he rolls around the place. And you know what I mean? It's Yeah, he's a... He's a bit of a nightmare to fight. Like, like, because I, 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 I approach watching a lot of fights now. I watch them uh, with like my coach hat on. As if you're trying to coach your fighter against. And him. I'm usually trying to coach like, like I'm always looking at it from the guy who's losing the fight. How what I'd say to change it. And it, like when Serrano was going back to the corner between the second and the third, I was thinking like, what would I be telling him to do here? And I was actually saying, I was sitting, I was watching it with my wife, like, and I was saying that I'd be telling him to shoot, like. Put, just drag him to the mat but he's so dangerous there too but at least you're not getting punched and elbowed in the head you know what I mean it's crazy it's crazy do you think he's the guy like I mean when you consider those matchups like at 155 at the very top of that division like do you believe honestly that he can give Khabib one of his best goals in that division I, I think he beats Khabib wow. yeah I think I think I think he beats Khabib and I think um, he shows everyone how to beat Khabib I think uh, sets the blueprint we've seen that so many times in this sport yeah I think he just walks him down Khabib will go for it like like one of the things I said about uh, Connor's last fight, what what I was expecting and not what happened, uh, the game plan from um, for Connor, like from his coaching staff, was to kind of stay calm on your back and, instead of scramble like a lunatic. Ferguson was scramble like a lunatic. We all know that Khabib is gassy. 
He's Tony's got the best scrambles in the sport, I think. Yeah, yeah and he's dangerous in the scramble. Yeah. Like he, he, uh, Tom says this about my jiu-jitsu. Ferguson is an extreme version of it. He actually does his best work when the when the position breaks down, yeah. like when there is no position anymore. He catches you with stuff. So I think like he'll just pressure. Even if Khabib has early success with takedown, he'll just keep going, keep going, keep attacking, keep trying to get back up. And then by round three, he'll just be marching forward. I think. Yeah. I think he knocks him out. Yeah. Well, well, uh, we had this little uh, bantamweight tournament going on that night. Peter Yan v. Jimmy Rivera and um, Aljamain Sterling v. Pedro Munoz. Right at the very top of that division, um, Peter Yan wants a title shot. Obviously, Aljo wants a title shot now after getting their wins. But just firstly on Yan, this guy's come out of nowhere. He's 5-0 and inside a year with the UFC. Obviously, a former ACB champion. He looks like the genuine article. Of course, it's a huge advantage being a Russian, being able to compete in the U.S., and um, I believe if he's off to the races now, I feel like if it's not a title shot, and I'm sure Aljo's the same, if it's not a title shot next, it's one and then the title shot. I mean, are you, have you been impressed by what you've seen of this guy? Yeah, I, I, I like that fight, actually. Um, him and Jimmy Rivera's good, good matchmaking uh, by the UFC. You kind of get to see where he's at. Um, I actually thought, like, uh, um, Rogan started to uh, pick up between in the last round on Jimmy Rivera's corner telling him to go out and like almost plant his feet I thought that was the right thing to say and you see the last round is when he gave Peter Yan the most trouble yeah. uh, because he said I'm not backing up anymore um, I, like I don't know if Yan has the uh, the skill set to beat Cejudo other than with like a like, like, yeah, yeah I, I think I think Cejudo's very well rounded like and he's like he's like he's going to be able to push Yan in the situations Rivera couldn't in terms of grappling. You could see Rivera at times he was he was he was trying to grapple, but Yan was just too strong. But when you're talking about Olympic caliber wrestler, yeah. you'd think that Cejudo would have enough to get him down, and then we're really going to see him testing the grappling exchanges. Yeah, and I think to mix that then with the striking, Cejudo moves quite well. Uh, Yan um, is like a boxing style as well, so you'll see Cejudo go back to that karate style rather than the the style he had against. Uh, Maurice because he was afraid of the leg kicks, so he didn't want to do that kind of side-on stance. He'll play that with Jan, so it'll be harder for Jan to hit him. Um, so I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that, like, like if I'm Cejudo's coaches, I'm looking at that last round with Rivera. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, and I'm saying add in, like, to add in the feints on the shots or driving them to the fence and breaking and throwing shots, you know, this kind of stuff. You were particularly impressed with Aljo, right? And, I, and I've got to say, I'm very impressed with him as well, especially when you consider... He, he only needed that knee KO off Marais a long time ago. And now he finds himself for the first time really knocking on the door of that title conversation. And, and as we know, Pedro Munoz is no joke at all. And what Pedro Munoz was saying about Aljo in the lead up to that fight is he won't strike with me. He, he'll try and grapple with me. He didn't at all. He was throwing single shots. He was keeping on the outside. I was very impressed with what Aljo done that night. Yeah. I feel like as well, he, like he landed the, the better shots. Um, like the the more damaging shots in the fight, even though he was like it seemed like he was fine on the outside, but if you look at his um like like he was actually coming in, there was a lot of kind of little overhandy hooks and you know all these kind of things. Uh, you, um, I just know with some analysts talking about this, they kind of they've compared it to uh, I think it was Lou Thomas compared it. It's kind of like what John Jones does with a striking. It's single shots. He slows the pace down inside the fights, and he was just throwing single shots, but he was doing it so effectively that because Munoz couldn't really land right. And Muno, Munoz is uh, dangerous as well. Like, if yeah, he gets yeah. into those ranges, he's going to give you trouble. Uh, Aldo, Aldo struggled a little bit with the uh, teep to the body, seemed to be the, the most dangerous shot that was being shown him. It's not something I'd worry about from Cejudo um, yeah. too much. Uh, 
How does that? How do you think Aljo matches up with Cejudo in the wrestling exchanges? Though I know he's a good grappler. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't think you know. It's hard to. It's it's an Olympic gold medalist, and there's everybody else, isn't there? But I I feel like Aljo's a lot bigger than him. I feel like you know Moraes was as well. So I don't know what that means. But even just looking at his record here, Chris, the fact that he has Brett Johns, Cody Stammen, Jimmy Rivera, and then Pedro Munoz, you know, like that's that's quite a considerable run. And I know it's four and out to Peter Jans five and zero, but he's got Rivera there. You know, he's already he's already beaten Rivera decision the same way. I mean, he he's more likely, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah, I think so, and I think as well, like uh, you know, if you're looking at it purely from a marketing point of view, he's the better option for a fight in America. You know, it makes sense. Peter still can't, uh, you know, he can feel like he's making big improvements with his English, and when he does have his English fully out there, he's going to be very entertaining because he's hilarious. But yeah, it is. It's obviously a huge advantage what for about, some fights. What about the option of um, uh, Cejudo going back to defend the yeah. flyweight belt, and then the two of them fighting for a number one contender shot? I would love it. I would love it. I don't know if the UFC or Al Jermaine would be into it. I'd say Jan would would take it straight away, you know, because I feel like he's the one who needs to make up ground on Aljamain, and you know that's what Henry wants to do, but. You know, and, and Dana White kind of said that the flyweight division is alive now. It's kind of weird the way they, they have that. It's kind of this constant, is it coming, is it going kind of situation with flyweight, isn't it? It seemed like they just didn't like Demetrius Johnson, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like, like they didn't want the thing when he was there, and now they're, maybe the king of cringe has brought it back. Come know? on, the king. <laughs> Long live the king. But um, we should probably talk about... Um, Blagoy Ivanov uh, and Toy Vasa as well because Blagoy of course is representing Europe as well, Bulgarian. Um this guy's no joke. Um I feel like he's constantly overlooked. He was a former he was a champion with WSOF, I believe. He was in Bellator for a while, now he's in the UFC. He's had tough fights, but Toy Vasa, man, that's a big step up in competition for him as far as I'm concerned, you know. Very, very even fight, but um good to have more Europeans uh, representing the the heavyweight divisions, I'd say. He uh and I don't think people were expecting this, but he outstruck him. Uh, he outstruck him on the feet. He looked really sharp with his hands. Like, and, uh, I, I, I don't want to be standing there with that boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It looks like he could hit him with a cinder block in the head and he just keep throwing yeah, at you. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, he was hurt a few times. Like, so, uh, uh, even, even off, it was yeah. even off. Is that yeah. 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 Uh, he, he looks like he just, uh, he has good pop in his hands. He looks like he never really got his wrestling game off, but he, he's, he's supposedly excellent yeah. there, you know, and he's got some good submissions. He's, uh, he nearly died before as well. He's been stabbed and stuff. Uh, yeah. He, uh, Chuck Mendenhall wrote a great article about him a while ago. I think Mark Raimondi did another one ahead of this fight, but, uh, really interesting cat. We've, we've talked about Aljo and Pedro, but, Tatiana Suarez, Vinina Ansaroff. I saw Ariel Helwani, my good, my great friend, uh, tweeting after this fight that the big winner of this situation at strawweight is Michelle Waterson because I think a lot of people thought Tatiana Suarez was going to go in and dominate Nina Ansaroff and then everybody would be saying, she has to fight Jessica next. She's got to be the next. But it didn't really happen that way. It wasn't really one of those spectacular finishes or one of these fights people are going to be talking about on Sunday morning, is it? Yeah, um, I think... Uh uh, Nina uh, Ansaroff uh, in her in her cor- her corner kind of in between round one and two kind of changed things up. So they actually kind of in the in the second round accepted to take down a little bit more and played their guard, mm. stayed safe. And I think then in the third round they kind of reserved a bit of energy and they went at her. Yeah, then Nina, you know? Nina looked great in the third round yeah, to be yeah. fair to her, yeah. But uh, definitely no one jumping up and down. I thought uh, Alexa Grasso looked brilliant against Carolina Ko- uh, Kovalkiewicz. No, no mean feat outstriking Carolina and Alexa is known as a grappler, really, really impressive. But you spoke to me earlier today about Calvin Cater. You were really, really blown away by this stoppage of uh, Ricardo Lamas, right? 
Yeah, phenomenal. Um, really like him. He looked like he'd made some adjustments uh, to problems he's had before. He actually, one of the times he really hurt Lamos was when he checked the kick, which has been an issue for him in the past. Yeah. Uh, a big problem for uh, boxers crossing over tends to really turn their toes in when they're standing to, to defend their body. Um, and now it looks like he, he caught uh, Lamas through a leg kick and he just, just stuck the knee out. So that means his toes are pointing at Lamas, which is the correct uh, stance for an MMA fighter. I was just about to say that to you, actually, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, and then, like he put that uh, that little that little tree piece together, you know, the beautiful right hand to finish it off, wasn't it? Yeah, um, you know, and I'm not I'm not just trying to get a little stab in here, but it's something uh, I I recorded it this morning and sent it to Ian Gary because uh, it's a combo he chose very well, and um, I think it worked really well for him. Like, I was, I was just some little differences that Calvin was using. Uh, he's, he's very very tidy, similar kind of body type to uh, Ian, like that long, yeah, yeah, that division, you know. Tell Ian like any time he needs any point just get on the phone uh, give me a shout I'll do a quick video for him me and the dog mostly on uh, toe position and some of that that's that's a real specialty man yeah yeah Darren Stewart great win for Darren Um, he's motoring like I mean I feel like he secured his spot in the UFC there was doubts um, that three fight losing streak he went on then back with two he obviously went into that fight on a loss against Edmund Shaboyzen but uh, a decision win against Bevan Lewis I I think that's got him motoring like I mean and I feel like as a middleweight you have a little bit more room you know you can make mistakes and and, and come back out but once he's back to winning ways it's it's a good sign for Darren a really likeable guy I'm sure you've met him at the Cage Warriors events have you? I, I haven't actually uh, had a sit down with him um, I know James was chatting to him last week said he's a real cool guy um, don't mind him James he's trying to get into your head in case yeah, he has yeah. to come back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he um, but like uh, he seems to be getting brought across the fight so they haven't really like he's get, he's going he's, he's not fighting in Europe a lot they tend to bring him across America and I don't I, like I don't know if they're trying to set him up a little bit you know what I mean like they're bringing him over to fight Americans in their hometown or whatever but uh, I'm happy for him he seems like a, from everything I've heard he's a real cool guy so yeah he actually told me um, I spoke to him just after he beat Spicy and he said the real turnaround was that sports psychology do you did, like I, I remember you guys were like on the cutting edge of that stuff but yeah. back in the day I mean did you find that good like I know Carl really found a lot he, he found a lot of good in it didn't he yeah, yeah, Carl, Carl liked to use, I, I, we were all kind of using it for, or like maybe like a, a chunk of the team were using it anyway. Um, it's something I still kind of put across to the guys, but, uh, uh, like probably to like a slightly lesser extent, um, just kind of like some visualization stuff and like, uh, like when you're on your own, say at home, uh, putting yourself, like like going to the night and getting all those little feelings and all that kind of stuff and going through the fight in your head and watching the play out and all that kind of, the deal with anxiety, kind of, the anxiety that, that's what I've always found it good for you know um, yeah. and then uh, it gave me little triggers so like a trigger for me will be like like so I used to like burn up energy for three weeks coming up to a fight thinking about every little situation that can go on and then uh, what it did is it, it gave me triggers that like when I get my hands wrapped it's the first trigger so now it's warm up time you're getting ready to go and then when the Vaseline goes on it's second tri- trigger yeah, yeah. instead of what I'd be doing is eight weeks out lying staring at the ceiling shadow boxing in my bed like a gun show <laughs> that's what I do before yeah. I record, record this podcast every week <laughs> I honestly don't know how you guys do that man it, it blows my mind it's one of the things that has always kind of captivated me about the sport and the fighters that are in it Eddie Wineland uh, back to winning ways I think he was coming off a loss let me just quickly check that Eddie's a bit of a He's all over the map, this lad. Yeah, two fight, two fight losing streak going into that uh, against John Dodson and Alejandro Perez. Gets back to the win. Call him against Grigori Popov. Um, interesting guy. 
Yeah, I, like I remember early on, like people were talking about him when he when he kind of Henenborough the champion at the time was it? And they were yeah, yeah yeah yeah, and they were talking about him maybe challenging. And then he seemed to kind of be like coming and going, coming and going. It's good to see him get back to a win and it's like a bantamweight cowboy Cerrone. A little bit, yeah, he'll fight anyone yeah. anytime. You got you always got to respect that though, right? Yeah, and finally, oh, it's so close yet so far. Joanne Calderwood, I felt like. This was the time. She seems to be in a better place than ever. She's put together a great winning streak at flyweight, but unfortunately, the judges went in favor of Caitlin Chukagan. A lot of people upset about this uh, decision. Um, I watched this on the bus home from uh, Slane. I, I thought Chukagan got it myself, but it was very, very close. Um, you know, it's going to have to be a big, big rebuild to get Calderwood back into those kind of toilet contention places, wouldn't you think? Yeah, and she was on such a good like uh, little street there, and she was um, she actually. Yeah, she did. She and uh, I, I was like something. I remember um, a long time ago, one of my training partners telling me Ash, like Ash Daly, saying like, uh, "Happy fighter is a dangerous fighter," and that's something I've always kind of put across to my guys, and it's something you could see with Joanne. Um, and her game had started to round out a bit too. Like she looked, she looked better in the in a lot better in the grappling exchanges uh, more recently. You know, like I guess a flyweight, right? There is a chance that she puts another two, three wins together, and you're right back there, aren't you? Or like you know, because it's like we were talking about, because it's so um, it's it's not deep. That talent pool, like uh, if you you know, if someone pulls out a fight and you're ready to go, you're in. You know what I mean? It could be a title contender fight. You know, she's one of the big personalities. Even though she kind of doesn't like the media and stuff, everybody seems to like her. You know, she's she's well liked. She's a big fan base here in the UK and Ireland. So maybe all is not a loss for Joanne. Right, we're going to get on to our second uh, interview of the day. I actually like to get your comment on this man. He is the latest man who has been signed from Cage Warriors to the UFC. He is the ninety first person who was signed directly from Cage Warriors to the UFC. It is Jack Tankshore. Um, I've run out of superlatives for this guy many many times i mean what a talent he is i know you know richard very well his father i know you guys i see you guys tweeting at each other often but you know as a coach what what impresses you most about jack shore um i think his professionalism yeah you know what i mean he just like no bullshit no no silly stuff goes about his business um his professionalism in the lead up his professionalism on the night um i <clears throat> i kind of find like with uh I, like i've been looking at his team for a while uh, I know a good few of the boys that he trained with. Uh, they w- I would have come up with them on the Cage Warriors scene, the likes of Chris Edwards and stuff like that. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for Richard. I'm trying. I'm trying to basically. I'm trying to build something to follow their lead. Right. That's what I'm trying to do. Like, um, but like, yeah, Jack, just how he handles himself, and then on the night, his performances are so professional for a guy his age. Like, he's you can see a clear leap up in technique, or so he brings something new to the table every time he fights. That's the way I see it. You know, I know it's a very basic way <laughs> compared to the way you're probably looking at him, but I, I can't believe how he dealt with Mike. I can't believe how he dealt with Scott Malone. It was unbelievable for me. Yeah, and he, he looks like <clears throat> like his game has it's it's like he's picked the right time to go in. His game is rounded out now. So like, there's no one like if I again looking at that with my coach's head on, and I'm finding him, I don't see like a clear path, like an easy path to beat him. So you kind of have to come up with a uh, like a, a very deep game plan. You know, you don't just go and take him down. Yeah, you know, yeah, kind of way, that's yeah. not going to work. Like, you know, you put him on his back, he's useless. And there's loads of guys in the UFC like that. Yeah, yeah. But Jack is, and he's well-rounded, coming from a good team. A lot of respect for those guys. And I'm, I'm like, he's he's such a nice guy. I'm happy to see him get there. He's uh, actually holds the record now for appearances on this show, would you believe? this? I, I think this is his sixth. Uh, he, he actually wants me to ditch Noel McGrath and become the co-host of it all together, he told me. So. Well, we'll be back in about 15. We're going to talk to Jack now, and then we'll uh, take a look at what's going on in the week ahead. And now, 
As advertised, we are joined by the reigning champion of Eurobash once again. I believe it is his sixth appearance on the show and former bantamweight champion of Cage Warriors and current UFC bantamweight. So happy I can finally say it. Mr. Jack Shaw, how are you, sir? <laughs> That's some list, isn't it? It does. <laughs> former champion, UFC fighter and the, the reigning Eurobash champ. So I'll take that. <laughs> all the best. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm all good. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I should explain. I, I tried to get Jack on last week and he was actually, he was going to do it, but he was out in the middle of a boat. So we said, uh, probably not a good idea. He finally took a holiday uh, to celebrate <laughs> the success you've had. I believe you're away in Mexico. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I went, went to Mexico, just outside of uh, Cancun for 10 days with my girlfriend, just uh, want to party all day enough and just a little chill out. I think I needed it after having so many fights in so many months, so it was nice yes. to uh, to heal up a little bit and um, and obviously back to work now with uh, with the big news that we had. This might be the last holiday you go on where people aren't pestering you for photographs, for everything like this, because, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, we're off to the races now. I mean, I don't think it could have been a better run for you. I think when, when Cage Warriors are molding guys for the UFC the way they do, I think, um, you know, it starts to get very tough towards the end, as we saw with you, Ekendeo and Malone, two very, very serious fighters, and you managed to get through it, and, and you, you redeemed your stock, and, and here you are now signing. We only heard about it, I believe it was two weeks ago. Graham Boylan teased that a, another fighter had signed for the UFC, and, of course, every single person in the world was like, that's got to be Jack Shaw. <laughs> how how hard was it to keep that under your hat? Yeah, well, it, it was a lot harder than than most people, I think, just because obviously um, we heard about it quite, you know, about two two and a half weeks probably before it actually got announced. Um, I think basically they they sort of Graham sort of verbally agreed it to an extent, and then obviously um, I think there was a couple of shows. There was like a a streak of a few shows. It took a week or two for the for the contract to get sent. So I had to keep it quiet. It was about three people who knew. Obviously, my, my family and my girlfriend. I was about it. So we had to keep our mouth shut. So it was hard to do because <laughs> you know I had people come up to me. Oh, are you fighting in October? Oh, have you been signed? So it was it was it was one of them ones. I was like, oh, I don't know. I haven't been signed. I was just lying to people's faces. But, so you just uh, had to leave the country basically to keep this under your hat. <laughs> yeah, that's how I went on all day. That was how I went on all day to get away. And then they announced it the day before I went. So it was uh, it, it was bad timing all around. <laughs> but then no, I already joking. It was um, yeah, it was just one of them. So if anyone's listening, who I blatantly lied to before I got announced, <laughs> I do apologise. <laughs> and I mean, what is that like, Jack? Like, I mean, you have um, you've made this your objective, I assume, from a very young age. Given given uh, your your action in this sport, you you seem to be involved in it so one way or another ever since your teenage years. Um, is is it? quite surreal when that contract is put in front of you and can you remember the situation where it was your father which i know he's been a, absolutely instrumental in your career uh, richard shore was was he there with you when you when you managed to sign that document yeah it, it was it was really surreal like um when when we first got got word that uh, that we was going to get a contract um my father was away for the weekend um and i was in the cinema with my girlfriend watching a film and uh you're meant to turn your phone off, Jack. Come yeah, on, man. I kept, I kept feeling my phone vibrate. So I thought, I got my phone out. And I like five minutes calls off him. Right? And I, I texted him. I was like, stop bringing me. I'm in the cinema. <laughs> and he was, he was like, check, check your WhatsApp. So I, there was a group then on WhatsApp. Um, me, Graham, and uh, my old man. And, you know, we was both ecstatic. I couldn't, I think the last 20 minutes of the film, I, I don't even remember what happened. We just couldn't wait to get me and my girlfriend. Couldn't wait to get out there and give my dad a ring and see what the crap was. But, um, yeah, it was madness, you know that, that you know that weekend, and then 
obviously when you had the actual contract come through, just just signing it and and then everything and reading through all the the terms and you know, I, I think on the last page you sort of my name and signature next to Dana White. So to see that <laughs> after you, to see that you know we we're on twice after um after pursuing it for so many years and like you said, even as a teenager, I had that goal in my head before I even had my first fight. So to to finally see that, it feels like. You know, not a weight off my shoulders, but like a lifetime of work and a lifetime of commitment of, of sort of, of, of finally paid off. But again, you know, it's, it's now that's done, that's ticked off. It's on to bigger things now and on to, um, to obviously to, to the fights and working my way through the UFC ranks, just like I did with, with Cage Warriors. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, what does that brand mean to you, the Cage Warriors promotion? You're so synonymous with the brand. You know, you're the face of of the promotion there, but as far as a lot of people are concerned, um, and as we know, it is the proven path to the UFC in this in this area, in the UFC in Ireland. You're the 91st guy, as we've said. But, I mean, is it hard to part ways with that title, even though it's, you know, you're on to bigger and better things, the biggest stage in, in the world sport? Is it still, like, will you always look back on this time with Cage Warriors with, with fondness yeah, in bit, your heart? It's bittersweet, um... Obviously, this was always the the end the end goal. For, you know, that was the reason I went with Cage Warriors because it had so many guys go through to the USC and it was such a a sort of a feeder show or such a big platform to 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 get to that next stage. But you know, they've always looked after me, Cage Warriors. Ever ever since my first fight, I've had loads of promo and they've always given me a good push on social media. And you know, I've become quite friendly with a lot of the guys who work there. You know, a lot of the the staff and everything like that. So it's bittersweet to leave them, but you know, I'll I'll always be uh, lingering, especially at the Welsh shows. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going up to uh, uh, the Night of Champions now to, to, to with my dad to do the the meet and greet and stuff like that. So it's um it's 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 always a show that'll have a place in my heart and always you know I'll always be eternally thankful and grateful for for what they did, especially you know Graham and Ian the the management and obviously the the promotional push as well. I'll never be able to thank them enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's does does like I mean, as far as you're concerned, I don't want to get you to get into like uh, finances and stuff, but just to touch on it, like I mean, the fact that Cage Warriors, you know, you are an, a known commodity, massively known in these these shows to the point where people are saying, like, as soon as Graham puts out someone signing for the UFC, you have hundreds of people going, "It's got to be Jack, it's got to be Jack." I mean, do you feel like that gave gave you, um, you know, a better position, say, than most people when they are signing on with the UFC? Do you feel feel like like you were able to, you know, that helped you in terms of your negotiation, being the guy that came out of the Cage Warriors and and, and having paved the way to, for you to the UFC. Do you think that helped when it came down to sit at the table with the UFC, so to speak? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, like you said, I was a little bit, you know, the poster boy in Wales and even sort of for the UK, a lot of people associated as one of the top names, Absolutely. you know, as well as Paddy and, and the, um, a couple of the other guys, you know, that get associated with the, the Cage Warriors brand and, um, uh, but as well, another thing was back at the uh, back in UFC London. My dad was up there with Marshman, and um, and and Graham was up there, and and Shelby sort of spoke to to Graham about possibly having me then. You know, a wink, wink, and I have Jack, and 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 um, I think it, I was have three fights left on my contract, and originally he was meant to to see out all three fights, but uh, so I think when uh, when Graham said he was looking to move on, I think obviously. He, he was more than happy. They were more than happy to have me, and and you know, a person in a good position because they obviously had showed interest before. A, a person in a position where no way we could dictate things, but you know, we could get a nice little contract and and hopefully now get a nice little push because of having such a big name on you know like BT and and, and Fight Pass already. I think it'll uh, give me that little extra push compared to you know to some guys who, who sign in a relatively unknown. 
Yes, yes. And and like when you think about those names that have gone before you, like everybody knows Joanna Ian Jacek, Conor McGregor, Michael Bisping, these people went on to win the big one, the, the UFC title. Like, I mean, do you feel like you are going to be one of these names that they add to that list in future when they're speaking about Cage Warriors and, and the champions they've produced? Jack Shaw will be among them names someday. Yeah, I 100% believe it. You know, it's obviously it's a long way away at the minute. It's not, yes, you know, yes, it's, of it was the same as when I signed with Cage Roy. You know, I was like, when are you going to fight for the belt? And I, I, I used to say that it's a long, it's a long way away. But that's obviously the end goal is to, to fight for that belt and win that belt. Um, you know, wh- whether it happens or whether it doesn't happen, you know, that anyone, everyone should have that goal, in my opinion. If you don't want to be the best or, or, you know, the best you can be, then, then there's no point really doing it. You know, you're doing it for the wrong reason. So, but I think in, you know, give me a couple of years to, uh, to work my way up the, uh, up the ranks and, and get a bit of a name for myself, obviously overseas and stuff like that. And I, and I don't see why not. You know, there's, like you said, people like Connor and Joanna and Bispin and, and, and Dan Hardy even course, fought for the belt. You know, they, they, they all did it. So, so why not me? You know, it's, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I, I can be as good as I, as long as I keep keep training and keep committing like the way I am, I, I honestly believe the sky's the limit. And you know, I got a good good team of people around me, and it's just I'm I'm looking forward to to the next stage of the process. I'm I'm really excited for it. Yes, and and of course we know that the next stage in that process is uh, getting you a fight, getting you uh, a matchup, <laughs> and and getting a date. I believe uh, slightly after the the news of your signing emerged. Uh, obviously, they announced the UFC Copenhagen card during the the Stockholm event, and I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you tweeted something that might suggest you would be interested in that date. Is that the ideal for you now? Would 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 that uh, September date suit you down to the ground? Yeah, that would be perfect. Obviously, uh, fight fighting in Europe as well. It's not a million miles to travel, yes. but I mean, I'm I'm open to whatever. You know, if if they say you've got a fight in Russia or, or America, you know, I'll do that as well. It's um, I'm just grateful to, to be able to fight for the promotion, and I, and I and I'll fight wherever they tell me. But also, European, it's not you know, sorry, Copenhagen is not a million miles from Wales. You know, we could take a big fan base over there, and um, it'd be nice to get on that card. But again, it's um, it's there's there's obviously guys higher up the peck in order than me that they might sort of put on that that card first. So it's a matter of just seeing what they come to Graham with with the dates and the opponents and and just just taking what comes our way. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's 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 definitely one that a lot of European guys are trying to get on. Of course, everybody's uh, seems to be sticking their oar in, and and it's the first event in Copenhagen as well, which is always going to make things a lot more special. Now I know Jack, you are not the kind of guy to call out someone to to trash talk people or anything like that but like you know in the most respectful way i can possibly ask you is there anyone that you would particularly like to face like is there someone that you kind of look at and go that would be that would be an ideal for me if i could get him for my first fight i, I think that would be the best way to showcase what i'm all about is there anyone that's sticking out to you like that at the moment uh this to be honest it's not it's like it's not in my mentality to think that way like um you know, in, in my head, it's a matter of if I just fight wherever they put in front of me and show I'm willing to fight wherever's there and put on a show and, and a good performance and get a finish no matter what, then it's it's going to do more for me that way than sort of calling calling for shots and calling for names. I think, you know, because then it could look as if I'm sort of trying to pick and choose who I want to fight. But, you know, wherever they put in front of me, obviously the, the end goal is the top 10, top 15, but you know, a fight or two gets two good wins in. There's no reason why I can't start pushing for that. You know, I know the level I'm at, and then, you know, I, I watch the UFC religiously. I'm a bit of a fanboy, so I, I'm watch, watching these top ten, top fifteen guys, and you know, there's no doubt in my mind I can compete and beat those guys. So it, it's again, it's 
I, it's like I'm like a broken record. I say the same no, thing no, all the no, time. No, but, no. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll literally, put, I'll fight whoever they put in front of me. You know, that's, that's my mindset. And, you know, in my head, I gotta be, I gotta be capable and have the skill set to beat anyone in the world. So, you know, whoever they put in front of me shouldn't, shouldn't make a world of difference. Yeah. And I mean, it is like, I mean, we, we talk about it quite a lot now. It is one of the best divisions in the whole sport at the moment. Like, bantamweight is just on fire. It really is at the moment. And, and even with guys like Peter Yan, you can see, and Nathaniel, you can see how quickly you can move, but just, you know, getting a few wins, putting a few wins together. Are you excited to, to be in that division? Are you currently, like, I mean, when you looked at the current state of the division, you must be very excited. Yeah, really excited. It's, um, like you said, there's, as, as good as the division is, there's, there's, uh, there's so always seems to be like the, the top 10 guys sort of get cycled all the time. You know, there's constantly new guys coming through. Constantly, like you said, Pete Nathaniel and Pete Young, people like that. You know, they've had two, two, three fights in the UFC and they're, they're already, you know, starting to, to push into that top 15, top 10. So it's an exciting time, especially for, for a lot of divisions. You know, a lot, you see a lot of divisions in the UFC now going down that route. There's a lot of new stars emerging and it's just, you know, it's exciting to be watching some of these fights and thinking that you know in a couple of months' time that's going to be me and April on the show. So I'm I'm looking forward to see what they come come to me with and um you know and dealing with that challenge and 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 looking at how we get our next win. Yeah, I mean, it, like, have you been able to soak up what you've seen from Jack being in the UFC? Like, you know, be, like in terms of visualization, I know it adds a lot to a fighter when they have gone through the fight week scenarios with their teammates and stuff like that. Like, this is what it's going to be like when I'm in the back. This is what it's going to be like when I'm walking out. Do you, do you, do, have you had those experiences and do you feel like you've, you've gained a lot from them? Yeah, well, obviously I've, I've cornered Jack, um, I think two or three times yes. in, uh, when he, when he's fought in there. So, you know, that, that in itself is a little advantage. You know, I know the fight, because every time I've called him, I've gone out with him, you know, from the minute he's landed, you know, fight week-wise. I've always been there for the full week. So, you know, it's, it's an advantage. I mean, I, like you said, I see how everything works through through the Tuesday, right the way through to the weigh-ins, you know, right the way through to the, how you warm up and how you walk out, you know, the, the setup and everything. So it's, it's something that, although it's, it's new fighting for the promotion, I've sort of seen what goes on behind the scenes and got a little feel for it. So <clears throat> it's not going to be completely alien, you know, when I, when I, you know when the, the fight week and the fight night comes absolutely like and, and one thing we, we've uh, constantly talked about you is how professional you are for such a, a young man how, how you don't really you know a lot of people I, I find them kind of stumbling into this trash talk stuff out, out in terms of selling they just see that as this is the way I sell my fights and you've never done that but what I was talking about, uh, my co-host this week is Chris Fields, and he was singing your praises. And, and again, with the way you prepare for fights, how professional you are, he says, you know, he looks at what your father has done, and he hopes to he hopes to do the same thing with his team. But, I mean, you know, how long before you're going to start throwing things at buses, Jack? That's basically what I'm asking you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> hope, hopefully never, but, <laughs> you know, stranger things have happened. But, yeah, you know... It's never been me, um, you know, that, that trash talk and that acting, act the, the idiot. It's, I mean, you know, I'm always I'm quite grounded and, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, I originally started and, and come up in traditional martial arts, you know, jiu-jitsu and, and, and um, combat jiu-jitsu and, and Japanese jiu-jitsu. So that sort of martial artist is, is, is always I conduct myself, you know, respectful and more. But, but when it's time to fight, then, you know, we fight hard and, and we, we fight together win. And then same in the preparation, you know, you'll never catch me talking shit or, or you know yeah. getting personal and stuff like that ah, it's just not me you know if, if i try to do it, i look stupid anyway, you, know? <laughs> I, you know people will be like what's this all about it's, uh, you know this is not who i am people i mean it, it works so well for people like connor and, and Bisping because that's who they are you know they 
they got the the gift of the gab and, and they they fast with the tongue. If I tried to do that, I'd start sitting in and stumbling over my words <laughs> and people would be like, This guy needs to get a grip. So uh but yeah, that's always how I've been. And also um shout out to Chris as well. He's uh, he's always been um he's always praised me and stuff on Twitter. So and you know, he's uh he's been about a long time, so I had to have his praise. Uh, you know, it's nice for me to see I I remember watching Chris fight John Phillips years ago on yes. uh, on one of the Cage Warriors cards. So I've obviously been watching him for a long time. But but yeah, you know, it's not it's not me talking talking the shit and the trash talk. Even though you know it does give you that little bit of push, I think the time for that now is that sort of era is, is on his way out. You've seen a lot, a lot more top guys now. Like you know, you look at um, Cerrone and Ferguson on the weekend. You know, yes. it was no no bullshit in the build up. It was shake hands, smile, and then and then when they added out, you know, they they went to war. So I think you know that's that's the type of route I'll sort of go down. Not that I'm asking you to call one of these guys out, but I'm just interested in, uh, obviously you must have watched the bantamweight title fight there at the weekend. I mean, how impressed were you with Cejudo? I'm, I'm pretty blown away by the guy, I've got to say. Yeah, it was unbelievable. You know, to, that's, I mean, I know he's fought a bantamweight once or twice before. Well, that was his first sort of Big one, fight yeah. against an elite level guy at bantamweight. And, you know, he had, a, he had an hard first round. You know, he, yes. he, got, he got beat up pretty bad in that first round. So the grit and determination he showed to just get through the round alone. You know, his leg was butchered pretty much early on. Mm. So to get through the round with summer and then obviously for him to, to make that tactical switch up, but, you know, going into the second, we started fighting on the inside and, and, and you know, biting down and throwing a bit more. But just to make that sort of adjustment mid-fight is obviously why he's as good as he is and why he's at that top level. It was it was, it was unbelievable to watch. And as well as that, you know, to watch um, Morales whoop him like he did in the first round. It shows how good he is as well. It shows that he's obviously... He's very elite as well, but you know, Cejudo got that. I think he got that championship mindset where you know you gotta you gotta put him out or put him to sleep or you know, but break his arm something like that to get him out there. You know, he's never just gonna roll over and quit because he's having a tough couple of minutes. So it was an impressive. It was a good fight to watch as well. I think he's done a lot for the division, and I think he's done a lot for the flyweights as well because obviously with Cejudo being predominantly a flyweight now, he's just obviously beat the bantamweight champion. So there's no reason for him to get rid of that division now. It shows they're just as skillful and just as exciting as as any other division in the UFC. Absolutely, man. Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, it's exciting just to think that, you know, the next time we see you, you're going to be competing in that division <laughs> where we saw so much action over the weekend. It's it's absolutely amazing and as, I see, as I've said to you many times, nobody deserves this more. Uh, congratulations and um, just don't be going on any holidays now before uh, Copenhagen <laughs> in case you get that call up. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Pete. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're saying, are you dormant going all day so you can interview me before it? Like, come back, of course. That's what it is. Are you dormant on normal boat trips? <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. That is it, man. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you again soon, man. Yeah, speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye, bye, bye. And that was the lovely Jack Shore, who may be replacing Noel McGrath as the host of this show in the in the near future, if Chris doesn't want it, that is, of course. But um, we have the Bellator 2-2-2 card this weekend. It's Rory McDonald taking on Naaman Gracie in the main event. And i got to tell you, the big question for me ahead of this, like usually I'd see that fight matched up and I'd go Rory McDonald all day, all night. But after his last fight over John Fitch, that draw that saw him come true to, to the next round of this tournament, and the way he talked about Jesus and all this stuff, I mean, does what what does that say to you? More importantly than it says to me, like it, it, like I'm only reading the words there and looking at the performance and thinking, well, this doesn't this is not a good look. I mean, do you fear for Rory going forward if he's like a, a, doesn't have that killer instinct, doesn't want to hurt people? I mean, isn't that isn't that an essential part of the job? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I like you know, you don't you don't have to want to like like you don't have to be a psychotic weirdo to do MMA. You know, you don't have to want to hurt people, but like uh 
I, I like when I heard him talk that time, I was a little bit disappointed. I, and I, I just want to state this in case I get any backlash. <clears throat> I'm a I'm a big um, a big fan of um, Faraz, but uh, yeah, I think he's a phenomenal coach, and I, and he seems like a real decent guy too. I didn't like some of the stuff he said after about um, like yeah. you know what they should do. Uh, I know he it is life changing, and he shouldn't you know like a far, like that's that's a call. Yeah, you, you, that's a call you. Ha- that's a conversation you have with your fighter by yourself in the gym, and you go, you leave it two weeks before you have that conversation. You don't. That's not something. That's fresh. Do you think them conversations had happened? Like, as a coach, do you have to kind of straight away? You have to sit down and kind of acknowledge this and say, right, "What's going on here?" If, if my fighter said that, we'd be taking a little bit of time and figuring out what you want to do next. I wouldn't be jumping into another fight for sure. And um, I think like what might be it might be burnout with Rory. Maybe take a little bit of time off, and he might get that goo back in him again, yeah. or he might just be done. Like, there, like a lot of the stuff he's saying makes sense, you know. Like people, people have kids and their life changes, or, or like just things change in your life. And you know, he's very young, starting this, very, very young. Uh, was like he's been in some tough fights. He's like he's and he's like he's given he's given everything to the sport. He doesn't owe anyone anything at this point, you know. It's lots of miles on the clock. Like that's one thing that I don't think people overlook. They just look at his age and they go, "He's still a young man." This man has been fighting at a very high level since he's about eighteen. You know. I think it's like uh, I've said this for a long time. I think between ten and thirteen years, and then most people should be calling it a day. That I used to say ten, but I'm coming past that. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, ten to twenty-five years. Uh, I I just. <laughs> think like it's just miles on the clock you're you know it's not even your body breaking down that will happen you know you're going to pick up more injuries but it's it's more your mentality there's only so long you can go through that day in day out um you know i, I hope i hope that the old rory shows up I, I don't think we've seen the old rory for a while that's the thing is this a good time to be fighting him basically for name and you believe like what you're saying maybe he should take some time off like i mean with this tournament situation obviously the dates are going to come twi- ticking fast if you're naming Gracie and you're looking at what happened in the Fitch fight, a draw against John Fitch, first of all, never mind that, and then the post-fight interview, are you going to go and this could be the perfect time? Yeah, like if it's my guy, I, I'm thinking like if we get him in bad situations, he's going to be looking for a way out. You know what I mean? Um, I just, like, how, how much is the tournament for? It's a million dollars for every winner. Yeah, I, like I'd say Rory's made a lot of money in his career. I Like, I don't think a million dollars is going to be that life-changing. You know, I think a bit of time off and... I don't know, like, you know, uh, for us, like I said, I'm a huge respect for him as a coach and all that. Maybe he knows, you know, he knows something we don't know or he knows Rory or maybe Rory's just a very emotional guy after fights and says some stuff yeah. that he doesn't mean, you know. Um, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm naming this the time I want to be fighting him. I'm not pushed on this co-main event, man. I, like, you can't chop it up and sell it to me any other way. Chael Sonnen v. The Automachita. Like, is this a rematch? I don't even know. I don't know what the story is. I don't know what this does. For either of their careers getting in there again, um, you know, against each other, uh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, no, I don't think he has fought the Oda Machida before, but, um, I don't know. Um, I'm not really pushed on that. Obviously, Chael is coming off the loss to, uh, Fedor Emelianenko, and we have Leota coming into the fight, um, off his Bellator debut, a win over Rafael Cavallo, the former champion. He, he bet him by split decision, but, what does this What does this do for him uh, fighting Chael Sonnen here? What for Machida? Like what? Machida must be forty now, is he? I don't know. They're both probably forty. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, um, I don't really know what like. It's, is, it, is it just the sell of those names? Do you think more than anything for Bellator yeah. put together these big two names that had huge glory in the UFC, and it's a good kind of setup for like for me, Caldwell v Haraguchi being the co-main event would have made more sense, you know. 
Yeah, but like more people are going to know those two names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chael and, you know, and that's, that's, that is going to sell fights. It's weird. Uh, some, sometimes some of the Bellator stuff, some of the stuff they do, like, uh, like they're basically showing you that the UFC's product is better by putting up two guys that the UFC yeah. didn't really want anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As their co-main event and pushing them up ahead of their guys. Um, you know, it could, it, it, stylistically, Five years ago, could have been an interesting matchup. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, it's been a very interesting matchup. I, I like both guys. They seem like kind of yeah, yeah, cool guys, and and they're both like they're they're both well, they both were and probably yeah yeah. But um, I yeah, I I think I think Machida knocks Chelo. Yeah, I'd say so too. Unless it's gonna be a uh, trail on top of Leoto for fifteen minutes. Um. Dylan Dennis is back in action. It's the second professional fight, this time against Max Humphrey, who has a 3-2 and two record. Not the most prolific fighter of all time. Um, Dylan is one of the most uh, inflammatory figures in the whole sport, I'd say, at the moment. Um, he has uh, done a great job of keeping himself in the headlines in terms of his social media presence and stuff like this. But when you look at a guy who has... A, as a lead as him on the ground, like I mean, do you, do you see this guy Max Humphrey causing any problems to him? I haven't had a good look at Max's record. I'll pull it up here. His last fight was a first round loss via punches. Uh, his last loss before that was a rear naked choke. Um, he he is coming off a loss on a local scene, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. fighting on Bellator. So I think everyone knows what the idea is here. He also has a, a bandana in his photo. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's probably a brilliant fighter, is what you're saying. <laughs> He's got a bandana in his photo, so um, and he's a white guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, not allowed. Yeah, not allowed. It's not cool. Uh, I, you know, he, yeah, he, I, like the Dylan Dennis thing. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't. You know, have you ever had any chance to roll with him? Yeah, like, back? yeah. How, how good is he? Once, um, like, I, I found Gunny a lot better. Uh, in my opinion, you know, I've rolled with better grapplers. I, like, I. I don't like. I've even like guys like uh, Kieran Davern. I've found tougher for rounds. Is that know? because of their MMA experience? Like when you're in an MMA, like when you're grappling with them, like you're gonna know certain things that. The, the round I did with them was uh, was um, a, like a, a jitsu hits gra- uh, round, so it wouldn't be exactly his perfect kind of. Um, but um, like like he's obviously a high level grappler. I don't, is he as elite as everyone says? I don't know what like can. He, what, Bra- brown belt pan arms is that his yeah, biggest yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like <clears throat> it's the guy who comes over here fairly regularly uh, to train with us Taylor Perman is a, was a Nogi uh, purple belt world champion so like and yeah. I'd roll with him regularly so, like your brown belt pan arms are you know and uh, I, like I yeah, I don't really know. I don't. I don't know why there's such a big deal made about him, and then you have like someone like Gary Tonin, and there's not a as yeah. big a deal. Who's actually is it the McGregor effect? Like, do you think that's what it is at play? Yeah, I'd imagine that's what's happening. You know, like I, I don't know Dylan that well. Never had many conversations with him. Uh, from what I can see, I don't really want to. Um, so, uh, you know, he was not a big loss to my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's just like I don't know. Like maybe it's all just a front to get attention and all. That's cool. Like, but. I don't, I, in terms of fighting, it's hard for you to kind of like. I mean, did you take anything from his? Did you watch his debut? I uh, did watch his debut. Did you take anything away from that? Or yeah, like, he has no stand up at all. <laughs> yeah, and so like, if I'm him, I'm I'm going to the ground. Did he not pull guard in that fight? Yeah, I believe he did. Yeah, he I think that's about it. his wrestling as well, and then he pulls guard. You know, and I I think like obviously the guy that's ranked 36 in Kansas City is not going to give him too many problems. You know, but uh, 
Like, what does it say if he does though? If he does have issues here, like, I mean, is this what he should be doing? Like, does he need to take some time off and really just focus on striking for a while? Uh, I think he's gonna get. He's getting paid, isn't he? Yeah. Bellator paying him money because he's like. There's obviously people watching. I'm sure we're talking about him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, dedicated more time to Dylan Danis yeah. than anyone else so far, yeah. probably. Let's <laughs> let's move swiftly on. Yeah. <laughs> I love Caldwell and uh, Kyoji Haraguchi. Haraguchi got a good uh, test against Caldwell when he came over to fight in Risen, but of course that was in the ring. Uh, Caldwell was having uh, more trouble, I'd say, taking. Uh, uh, Haraguchi down and, and holding the position in that ring than he will in a cage um, but of course Kyoji ended up submitting him uh, big big fight there and I really like this Risen Bellator crossover that's that's my favourite part to be honest yeah, yeah that it seems to be going on for a while right um, like King Mo would have fought there a few times back in the day as well uh, you're, you're, I know from talking to you you're a big Haraguchi fan anyway aren't you yeah uh, but it's good it's good to kind of be able to see too like, like how is that like how is that the fourth fight yeah, from the yeah. top? You know what I mean? Well, Dylan and Max are going to be after those. <laughs> oh, God. What's wrong with the MMA world? Like, It's, it's savage. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a really good fight, and I'm looking forward to it. And I love that crossover, as I'll say again. Uh, Eduardo Dantes v Juan Arculeta kind of round off the main card there. That's a top fight at 145. It's going to be interesting to see. Ricky Bandeas, the man we know as the guy who handed James Gallagher's first professional loss, is back in action and against undefeated Patrick Mix. Um, He's a really good fighter, man. I feel like people people were talking more about James losing than Ricky winning the last time, you know, and he went in and fought Arculetta to do a decision in his last fight, which was really, really, really showing how, how good this guy is and how high level he is. Um, you know, what what do you make of him? Do you think he, he has a chance to be a champion in this division? Uh, yeah, he's he's still quite young, right? Like yeah, 22, yeah, 21, 22. Um, yeah, he's he's solid. Looks well rounded too. Um, yeah, be it'd be interesting to see where he goes. Um, I I haven't seen Patrick Mix yet, no, but he's I got a pretty tidy record. Um, it'd be like these are the kind of fights. I I think maybe that um, Arcelotta fight was a little bit too soon. You yeah, know, sure though, yeah. I think that happens sometimes. Like he should have been bouncing around, having kind of like mid level opponents for another fight or two, and then Shell moving up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, hey, that's the game, isn't it? Mike Kimball, uh, he is a prospect fighting under Tom Egan, a man you know. I believe we used to call him Television Tom back in the day. And uh, Mike has certainly been making uh, a name for himself. I just want to check when that loss came. Was that in his last fight or was it the one before? It was in his last fight. He lost to uh, John Doma. Uh, wow. Um, so looking to get back on the winning column, he's had a lot of viral KOs. Have you heard? I mean, do you still talk to Tom a lot or have you seen any of this guy? No, I haven't actually. Um, like, I, like we chat on social media every now and again. Me and Tom. He's got beautiful hair. <laughs> He's got some long ass hair. Uh, <laughs> looks it looks like a Spartan or something. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of the the, the KOs. That's a kind of interesting fight. Obviously, they're trying to build Kimball back up there. Um, you know, and we'll like you'll kind of see where he's at after this one. Uh, I, I didn't see the the loss there. No, you did, no yeah. Um, but it'd be interesting. Obviously, he has a bit of pop anyway, so we'll see how he gets on. And it's in, it's always interesting when guys with knockout power at a bantamweight division. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Heather Hardy, Ireland's Heather Hardy, as I like to call her, will take on Taylor Turner as well. And uh, here's one I'm particularly interested in: Aaron Pico v. Aaron Adam Barricks. I mean, Adam has never lost. He was meant to fight. Uh, John, uh, James Gallagher I think it was last year and James had to pull out because of a hand injury I've got friends in the press over in Hungary they have never stopped talking about this guy they think this guy is absolutely top of the food chain everyone's very excited about him in the country and then 
what better way to announce yourself to the world to fight Aaron Pico? But has a win over Aaron Chico, uh, Pico been cheapened by his losses? Like, but he's only lost a very experienced guys. And when he's lost, he's actually uh, almost finished the guy, rushed in for the yeah, finish. Yeah, like, yeah. like uh, when I watched the Aaron Pico fight, some I put a lot of emphasis on uh, for my fighters is finishing fights. Like, it's hard to be mad at him as a coach. He sees the finish there, he goes for, and he gets caught. I, I like that. I like that about him. Uh, Bellator, uh, considering what like like the other people are getting thrown, Bellator throw Aaron Pico to the Wolves. Like and he was like after his last, he was like, oh, "I want to fight the best guys. Yeah. I don't want a step down in competition." Yeah, exactly. Adam Barrick's undefeated prospect. I mean, That's, like you're even four and two guy now. Four and two guys fought has an elite background and has fought some good guys against a twelve and old guy. That's. You'd have to think that Aaron's probably fought the higher level of competition. Like that's, I mean, he has to have. He's fought the best in Bellator. But even um, we're looking at uh, Adam's record here. Like, yeah, yeah, three wins already on Bellator, and his last fight was against a twenty-five and six guy, um, which is impressive. And his last win before that was eleven and one. Uh, maybe the Anthony Taylor fight wasn't that much of a big deal. When when all else fails, bring Anthony Taylor in for the W, huh? <laughs> He's good, crack, and that's all we can ask for. But um. Yeah, I mean, I'm very interested in that. Like, is this a potential launchpad for this young man's career, do you believe? Like, I mean, I feel like a win is far more valuable to Boric's in this case than it would be to Pico, you know? Yeah, it, it could be another one of those situations where both of these guys probably shouldn't be fighting each other yet. Yeah, you know, yeah, they should yeah. be fighting kind of mid-tier guys, picking up another couple till their name is quite known on, on Bellator and then moving on. I like that approach from Pico, though. He just wants to get in there and fight the best guys. Um, it's a breath of fresh air compared to most of the shams. <laughs> and that it is and that's really the more most interesting fights kind of um we, we've gone through them now uh so we are going to go on to our next interview and it's the man that's going to take on uh, aaron pico adam borricks i've been looking forward to talking this lad so we'll be back to wrap this bad boy up in about 15 and now we are joined by a man we have discussed many times on this podcast but finally we have the privilege of speaking to him it's undefeated prospect and bellator mm-hmm. featherweight Adam Boric. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm good. You? Did I get the pronunciation right? Did Say I pronounce did I pronounce the name right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's getting better, getting better. Every time. By the by the next time you speak to me, I will be like a native Hungarian speaker. <laughs> now now you are a man who has been going quietly about his business but you have done some tremendous work with bellator with your three and oh run um just just tell me how it feels at the moment adam does it does it feel like you're on the verge of something big with this contract uh i feel great man so i wanted to fight more but i i had some injury so first of all when I moved to the US after two weeks, I broke my hand. Oh so no! It was sucks, but it was two years ago. So, so my hand is it's good after I did three or, or or two fights. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, it's a big big fight for me. You know, a lot yes. of lot of hype and everything. Everybody is excited in the gym. Uh, everybody excited in Hungary. I am excited too. I have so much motivation. <laughs> I wanted this fight, so yeah, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> yes, yes, and for those of you who don't know, this is a big, big fight for Adam this weekend against Aaron yeah. Pico, a man who has uh, been been very, very infamous in MMA so far. Um, tell me how you feel about Aaron. He is coming off the knockout loss to Corrales. 
How do you feel about what you've seen from him so far? A lot of people feel he is one of the best prospects in MMA. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe he will, but not now. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I am telling you, in this planet, I, I am the hard worker guy, <laughs> really. So, so since I, I moved here, I trained like, a, like, like who was the training camp, like two years, but yeah. really, uh, I was so happy, you know, I, when I lived at home, I, I couldn't train like a professional. Yes. After I moved here, I was like, yeah, I, I, I wanted this. I have been waiting for this. I, I can train like a professional fighter. So I train every day like crazy. So I feel, I feel, you know, he he got uh, a lot of hype because he he had a good results in wrestling and boxing. Um, I, I I was I was upset a little bit, you know, because you know I am I am undefeated and and twelve and all and young and and number one in my country. And I didn't get like that. You do, you feel I, like you deserve the same push that he has been given by Bellator? Uh, I yeah, but but I understand because if, you know if I get this hype, I can say that oh oh I, I don't need it. So, <laughs> so, yes. So well, yeah, so so you, you can say that you know I I don't need this I don't need this I I don't want to make money or <laughs> something like this, uh, but. Yeah, I just want to show the world who deserved the real hype. Yes, yes. And I mean, there was a lot of debate after his last fight. A lot of people were questioning whether he should have a step down in opponent. Now, you are, an, as we know, an undefeated prospect. You have never yeah. lost. Do you feel yeah. as though this is a step down? Because I'm unsure. No. no. He, I, I will be the hardest opponent for him. <laughs> Do you believe that? Do you believe that he may be, uh, maybe the matchmakers are underestimating you slightly? I, I don't care. You uh, I, I don't think so. You know, my matchmaker is so excited for, for this fight. He said he's so excited. So, so we will see. But, but, but uh, no, I think the Bellator means I am a top opponent. Uh, for Pico. Yes, yes. And, and I mean, what do you think of Aaron? When you see him fight, what sticks out to you? What, what, do you think he's going to want to box with you or do you think he's no, going to I use his he, wrestling? He wants, I think he wants to wrestling with me. Maybe he will try to box him too, but I think he, he wants to wrestling with me. Yes, yes. And, and a lot of people have said that after his, after his yeah. two knockout losses, they think he should wrestle more. So you are the man who will make him wrestle, you believe? Yeah, but, you know, I mean, you know, the wrestling is different and MMA is different. So maybe he's a better wrestler, for sure. He's a better wrestler than me, but I am a better MMA fighter. Mm. I've got to ask you because, um, you know, this is a huge spotlight. Like, a lot of people know who Aaron Pico is, and even though a lot of us in Europe know who you are, do you feel as though this could be the biggest win of your career if you go away with your hand raised on Saturday night? You know, I I feel always um, always my fight. Next fight is the biggest mm. uh, fight in my career because last time I fought in the US, it was the first time. So that time I said it was my biggest fight in my life. But now I can say yeah because uh, it, it's gonna be my biggest fight in my career yet. <laughs> well, well, yes, yeah, so I agree with you, and I got to ask because you were matched with James Gallagher last year or the year before, I believe. 
did, that yeah. must have really hurt when that opportunity went because, like Aaron Pico, James has a huge amount of hype, right? Right, right. Ah, I, I really wanted that fight, you know, against James Gallagher. And I still I want to fight yes. <laughs> against James Gallagher. Just maybe I think he, he's scared. <laughs> he doesn't, he now fights at uh, bantamweight. Is that a problem? Like, I mean, you know. Well, he, he, he comes up, he will fight in June 22 in, in 140 catchweight, I think. He R- tried to move up or something like this. I Maybe, but not, I'm not sure. But yeah, he's small. When, when, because you know he was he, he has been there in Hungary when I fought, and he's so small man. I I am big in in one forty five. I am big. I am so tall and I cut a lot of weight, but, but he's he's so small. He's one thirty five fighter. Who do you think is is a bigger threat to you, Aaron Pico or James Gallagher? Aaron Pico, James Gallagher is like. <laughs> It's it's okay. Everybody knows. Every <laughs> yeah, easy easy money. So I never, I never so like that. You know, if you post something, everybody just comment like some bullshit. Hey, you be a, a cop driver or something like this, and everybody hate him. So it's it's so it's so bad. And sometimes I'm sorry him. <laughs> Does it make you annoyed when guys like James and Aaron, like as you said earlier, a lot of people know who these guys are, and you haven't got that big opportunity yet? Does that does that drive you? Does that motivate you when other of guys course, are getting hyped? Yes, of course. I I have so much motivation now. And Pico is a he's a tough fighter, so and I I want I want a fight against a top fighter, so I don't want to fight like 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 um, who is a two and one, two and one or something like that, you know. I want to fight against the top fighters, and and yeah, Pico is a top fighter, but I am a better fighter. <laughs> this could introduce you uh, to the top of the division. Do you believe that if you beat Pico, do you believe that? you will be looking at a, a fight that could potentially put you in the championship mix? Or do you think Pico, a win over Pico, is enough to do that already? Mm, I, I don't know, man. I, I am always just focused on my next fight, so I don't thinking about, oh, oh, what will happen after this fight? Because if you do this, I think it's bad. So I just focus on my, my next fight, I, June 14, against Aaron Pico. When do you leave uh, for for the US? Are you over there already, or or what? What way are you going to plan to travel? So first time I fought in Bellator, uh, only one fight contract, uh, 2017, and I moved in. So after that, I got a contract and I got a visa. So I moved 2017 August, and yeah, that time when I moved here, after two weeks, I I broke my hand, but. Uh, yeah, I live here like almost two years. So I train like, like, like yeah, almost two. Yeah, I train two years with uh, Harry Hooft and and the team. Well, because b- before I moved, I've, I I has been I have been here like two or two times. Yeah, just a couple of couple of weeks. And do you like living there? Is is this something that's been difficult for you, or do you feel it's been an easy transition to move? You to know, US? it's uh, first time. It was it was so hard because I couldn't speak nothing. English, <laughs> well, so. your English is amazing, man. Oh uh, no, uh, I, I I try because because I I have to learn. So it's nearly uh, as good you know, as my Hungarian. <laughs> so you know, the first time was it was it was really hard and. I miss my country and my my parents, my friends. But my wife, 
uh, she is with me, so she she helps me a lot, uh, and it's much easier. And my you know when my my language is is getting better, it's it's always easier. And and it was crazy, you know. I just I just watched the these guys uh, on the TV, and the next day I train with these guys, and amazing. we are friends now. So it's amazing. I yes. train. I, I believe I believe that I have a best team in the world. You know, we have a champion. Every organization won UFC, Bellator. So we take over. <laughs> you were in a good place, my friend. Absolutely, and and yeah. I mean, Laszlo. Um, uh, the Hungarian journalist I spoke to you off yeah. air before we started recording, he told me there is a lot of hype in Hungary around you. I mean, a lot of people know who you are. Yeah. A lot of people are going to be yeah, tuning in. I mean, how does that feel to have so much expectation on your shoulders? It's crazy, you know, because usually I, I head back uh, every every half year or or seven, eight months. And mm. after, when I head back, always is bigger, bigger, wow. bigger, you know. Uh, for example, yesterday my friend was uh, was here in my place. He 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 went to Hungary like two weeks ago, and when he came back, he said, "Hey, I was just sitting in the bar, and next table they are talking about you, and it's crazy, and wow. uh, you are famous in Hungary, really? Yeah, uh, it's crazy. It's getting better, but I I wanted this because used to we have a good boxers in Hungary, and and the people loves the fighting, but now you know it's MMA and the boxing is not too popular in Hungary. But I wanna, I wanna bring back that. You know, I, I wanna be a first Hungarian famous fighter. Yeah, like, yeah, like I wanna, I wanna, I want you know the people watch me. So yes, <laughs> I want to bring that. Yeah. You want to put them on the map. You want to put Hungarian MMA on the global scale, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 exactly. What, I know I asked you what this win would mean to you, but what would it mean to the people back home in Hungary if you beat Aaron Pico? Man, they are so... It's crazy, you know, because I think in in Hungary, the Bellator is not, not too popular. Everybody talking about the UFC mm. or a couple of people who, who in uh, MMA, they are talking about the Bellator too, but... Everybody knows Pico because you know he's hype. Yes. So yes. everybody is so excited, and everybody is like, "Oh, Madison Square Garden!" Everybody is like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> First Hungarian fighter in in Madison Square Garden, you know, and it's crazy. I I I have been there one years ago in a garden, you know, in my first UFC fight. I watched that, and. Uh, and now I fight there, so it's it's crazy. Everything just comes fast, but I, I like it. <laughs> amazing, Adam. What what a fantastic story you have, and and it's been yeah. amazing to speak to you, my friend. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm really looking forward to see this fight. You have me more excited about this fight than I am about the Rory McDonald name and Gracie fight. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think uh, so. I I can telling you. I, nobody trains harder than me in a hard next 365, but we are the most hard worker in the on the planet. You, you know, Usman talk. Usman is. I am the same like Usman. Just train always, always, all the time, every day. Just I want to just improve, improve, improve. You know, after when I I won my uh, first um, US fight, the next day I was in the gym. So on Monday, not the next day because the fight was Friday. So Monday I was on the yeah. I was in the gym. So. So I want to just improve every day. Amazing. Adam, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure thank for me so to speak much, to you, man. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.
Thank you, and all the best. Uh, hopefully, I will speak to you again very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope so. <laughs> thank you, my thank friend. You, bro. Bye, bye. Thank you. Bye, bye. Right now, and that was lovely to talk to Adam Barks. Thank you very much, sir. It was a pleasure. And now we can get onto the real stuff with you, Chris Fields. Um, there's a number of things I want to talk to you about. <laughs> a number of things. Uh, first of all, um, I get to the most uh, most recent piece of news. Well, we we figured it would be news by now already. Uh, Yannick Bahadi vu. Both of you guys have kind of verbally agreed uh, via social media that you would like to fight a KSW in London. Um, have you talked to Martin or Magic or anyone from KSW yet? Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I've, I've said to them that both myself, we've done the, we've done your work for you, lads. Just put the fight on now. <laughs> uh, I just, I just want to fight. Uh, Yannick's also looking for a fight. I think it's a good fight for me. He obviously thinks it's a good fight for him. We both agreed to it. Both of us have like uh, extensive records. Both of us have fought yeah. everywhere. Uh, so I think let's do it. Let's put him on. Let me strangle him. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny actually just seeing the way this fight kind of came together because there's usually an epic amount of shit talk. You're just used to seeing that there. Yannick's like, here, I'd really like to fight Chris on KSW 50. And you're like, oh yeah, nice one, Yannick. I'd really like to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he said, like, uh, he said a while back, he said, you know, um, I'm looking, uh, to, to fight anyone or something like that and I think my name was mentioned but not in like any kind of smart way and I said yeah I'm down for that and then it just kind of went from there and we were both going you know like like there was never any here you're a bag of shit or any of this you know, it's just like like two guys respect like I, I respect him he's fought you know he's put it up against a lot of top guys I'm like I'm, I don't need to be talking shit anymore I don't need that in my life checking my phone every few minutes see if they replied no you know I don't need it like I'm not going to do it so I'm happy that it's just uh, me and another dude willing to not talk shit but then go in and try and but a face off each other that's that's always the way i like it myself um <laughs> but uh, i was very dejected when i heard that your fight will albrechtson one of the great prospects in scandinavia at the moment you were supposed to fight him uh, sorry it was uh called off by the way i forgot to finish my sentence it was meant to happen in at superior fc 18 i believe and that was like about a week after he fought on pride last time right uh, it was three weeks. risen. Yeah, it was three weeks after. Uh, so, like, he had, like, he just, I think, I, I, like, I'm not, I don't, I don't think it was this thing of, oh, my God, I don't know. I think he had, he thought he wanted to fight loads. He had his bell rung in the first round of that fight. Now, they, they said he was knocked out. I don't think he was knocked out. If you can fight for 10 minutes and, uh, you know, establish top position and dominate someone from top position, I don't know if knocked out is the right expression I, to use. I think there's a, a like, a, and most fighters can attest to this, like, you know, he took both those fights thinking he wanted to fight mad regularly, and I'd say, after the fight, set out the back and went, oh man, I don't want to go in a few weeks, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, you're yeah. beat up, you're sore, I can understand that. But, 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 this, right, so this is, this is what I saw as your path to Risen, we know for a long time, everybody in Ireland know, dogs in the street know in Ireland, that you want to fight in Risen now, yeah. Um, and Albrechtson has already been fighting in Risen, he's Built up quite a quite a good run there. They they even some even consider him as the next uh, challenger to the two hundred five title. Um, that must have hurt because I mean, if you had beaten him, surely you're on the radar then for the guys over at Risen. Yeah, well, that that was the plan of taking the fight in the first place is to kind of uh, let them know that I'm the guy that should be on that card. So I I think really the only right thing to happen now is I should fight him on Risen. Um, and if like from his point of view as well, I wouldn't want that been left now that i pulled out that fight i've always tried to match up with people if that happened i'd be trying to catch them later down the line or whatever so i think risen don't have many light heavyweights uh the champion has beaten al brexton already um so why don't me and al brexton fight and see where he's at 
and like it's good when you have a son with uh, curly blonde hair that can kind of mimic Carol in training situations. How has that been going? My my son does not look like that. <laughs> I already talked about this on the way up here. <laughs> he he doesn't he doesn't look like the bad guy from Ghostbusters. You know what I mean? He's a legend, man. Tommy, what what a Tommy Gunn, man. We're gonna be hearing about that, man. I promise you in the future, even though Chris does not want us to be hearing about him. But um. What what do you think is most likely for you next? Like, do you do you think that KSW fight makes sense? Do you are you confident that will happen, or are you kind of in limbo with it at the moment? I, I hope it does. It makes sense for everyone. It makes sense for them. Uh, like you know, Yannick's obviously from uh, England, so having it there suits them for bringing fans and all that kind of stuff. It also suits, yeah, suits us the Irish fans, and it suits. I've I've a bit of a fan base in London because of uh, coaching James for so long and all that kind of stuff. So, and then. Um, also, like, I fought in KSW4, so who, like, who else are you going to get to put on? You know, this kind of stuff. So I, t- I think it's, it makes perfect sense for everyone involved. Uh, and, like, I think, I thought me and Yannick could just make their life really easy, like, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you owe me one from that uh, KSW49 promo I shot in the A-side. So if you want to get me one back, KSW, that's the fight I'd like. Please, thank you very much. I want to ask you about KSW106. Sorry, Jesus, Cage Warriors, well done, thank you. What a co-host this man is. But, uh, it was those four drinks that you had at Metallica, have you? <laughs> I wish I had four drinks at Metallica, I ruined my life that day. But, um, right, so we were talking about Jack uh, Shore being signed earlier on. Is that the ideal position when you're, you're coaching guys around KSW? Obviously, we've got two fighters on this card. Uh, James Webb is defending his middleweight crown, once held by yourself, of course, against Antoius Frederick. And we have Ian Gary taking his second pro fight against Teo Odunjo. Um, you know, when when you're in that situation with Cage Warriors, is that the goal, like, to have a situation like Jack had, where he is clearly the guy with the most promotional weight behind him, he's a well-known commodity, they do a lot to promote him, he he nearly becomes the face of Cage Warriors. Is, is that, like, does that come into your thinking at all when you're looking at James and Ian? Like, that's basically the ideal situation to be signed by the UFC, right? Yeah, so, like, uh, something I like for my guys is to go, um, when they go pro, like, some, like, Ian was different, you know, he came in short notice to get that contract, so he went and, went and took it, um, but, uh, like, maybe have a fire or two and then get on the cage wars. One, because of the things you said, like, it's, it's the, it's the clearest, well, what do we say, 90? 91 now, 91, madness, right? Probably be 100 by next week, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, there's, there's, like, 91 guys have crossed over. They're, uh, they like they build the guys, and the UFC have an eyeball on it, and they have the UFC's ear, obviously, about who's going through. That's quite obvious from what's going on. Um, the the guys get used to kind of how a, a proper show runs. I don't know if you've you've been backstage at Cage Warriors. It runs very smoothly. It runs like a UFC event. You know, it's very smooth and uh, a lot of the same. Like kind of if you're fighting in the UFC in England, it's going to be the same officials. Same, same, uh, same ref, same judges. You know, so you're used to everything. Everything feels normal, and then. Uh, the like the other thing is that and there's a big thing <laughs> is like they they sort everything out. I don't have to worry about getting the guys' fights. That's what I do for my guys. So I'm basically managing and coaching all my guys. I don't have to I don't have to think about that. I know Ian's gonna give them uh, He's one of the most underappreciated guys in all of MMA. Like I, I don't actually like like alright, everyone in the UK and Ireland knows what Ian Dean does, knows he's the best matcher maker around, but really like how isn't he an internationally known thing? Like I mean he he's an unbelievable servant to this sport. Yeah. I'm surprised he was never picked up by the UFC as like their European, or maybe like I think I think he's happy though. Yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah. very happy. He's very content. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, and I think I think that's kind of all Ian wants. He's happy. He gets to and he likes. He I think he likes the local scene, but now he gets to do it. 
on the biggest stage. So yeah, it's the yeah. biggest local scene you can do. It's the biggest European card. You know what I mean? So uh, he gets to see the lads coming through. Like you speak to anyone that's gone through the. Everyone loves Ian. You know what I mean? Like, ah, yeah, he's a he's a gent. But that's not usually a, a thing that matchmakers have. You know what I mean? It's not. <laughs> I think I think he just he'll he'll like you know he'll be fair to the guys. They'll fight better guys each time. But like they won't be massive jumps, and he's not trying to sell you to the wolves. You know what I mean? When you look at these fights, I mean, I'm not looking to, for you to tell me exactly what way is I going to go out, but take uh, James's title fight, first of all, against Natoyas. Um, have you been doing a lot of homework on Natoyas? Well, like, what, what are you expecting from that fight? Uh, yeah, I've been like watching a good bit on Natoyas. Uh, I was slagging James because uh, he did an interview recently, and he's there. Yeah, me and Chris come up with it. No, you don't come up with anything. <laughs> You do what you're told, like me. James, this is all him. I'm not yeah. saying anything, like, man. Like he was sitting in the room when I came up with the game plans. Like, yeah, uh, no, but um, you know, we we work we work a lot of specific stuff. I I've never been a big fan of that. And I've always thought a bit of a lie that uh, oh, we don't prepare for any opponent. You you prepare for someone. You've always said that, yeah. During the there is no opponent, yeah. opponent era SBG. You're like, there's absolutely an opponent, and I've been watching him religiously. <laughs> and and like and you're a bit silly if you're not. Like you know what I mean? Imagine imagine. Like preparing exactly the same for Tony Ferguson and Khabib. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just ridiculous. Like, yeah, no, not at all. So, uh, like, Jay, like I, I've watched a good one. We have a very kind of straightforward game plan: plan A, plan B, and plan C. You know, um, one thing I like about James and uh, he made a little error early in his career in, in one of his, I think, his second or second fight, um, and uh, got an absolute bollocking for it. And then from then on, he switched. You, you don't tend to shy away from the bollockings, even as the fight is playing out, Chris. Which is always, it's like some, well, having something extra to watch when you're watching your lads fight. I, you know, I, I feel like my opinion is, if I'm going to go and corner you, I'm going to take time away from my family and my gym, and you're not going to listen to me. I'm not going to go corner you. What's the point of me being there? You know, I always explain to the guys, if you see something in there and I don't see it, that's fine. If I'm trying to do something and it's dangerous for you to do it, that's fine. But if you're just not listening to me and you're losing the fight and the advice I'm giving is going to make you win the fight, I'm going to be pissed after you're getting that hairdryer treatment out the back. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And we actually saw a bit of that in Ian Gary's debut, which brings me onto a beautiful segue into his next fight. Look, I'm. It's it happens very rarely on the Irish scene where I'm trying to calm people down. Like a, a guy with this much attention so early on in his career, it's a dangerous thing as much as it's a fantastic thing. And look, I'll be the first to say I haven't seen a t- talent like Ian Gary in a long, long time coming from this shore. And and to see what he did in his debut against another fantastic prospect in James Sheen, absolutely astronomical. His pro debut, biggest stage of his life in Cage Warriors. And here we go uh, against Teo now again. Another prospect. The guy who's 2-0. Oh. Is it is it something you have to be very aware of when you can see this kid is getting so much attention and, and he's so good, you know, like, I mean, he's so, so clearly good. Is, is that a different kind of challenge for you? Do you feel? I, I think there's, um, a nice kind of, uh, balance in here, uh, of grounding people in the gym. Uh, what I mean is like that he's surrounded by, um, guys that are a lot further on in their journey than he, you know, and, like uh, I've said this for a long time and I've said it to Ian so it's not weird like Ian's going to end up a lot better than I am at this sport you know what I mean I can see that from I I said that to him after probably about two amateur fights I can see his skill set skill set is ahead of my skill set when I was Cage Warriors champion already you know Um, he's uh, he takes information in really well but he's got like there's a there's a bunch of high level grapplers here and you know they're going to maul him when he trains them there's Lads that are further along in their MMA journey, they're like doing it a lot longer. They're putting him in those bad positions in the round, so he's not like, very he, yeah, very healthy for him. Like you know, he comes in, Tom strangles him, 
all trying to strangle him. And Tano trying to strangle him. You know, no one, no one's going to be nice to him. And what I lo- one of the good things about him and all my guys, and this is something I was putting in early on, is that they go there and want that. They go to the jiu-jitsu classes where there's guys who only train jiu-jitsu five days a week and they get strangled by them. And they, but they know that that's, their mission isn't to be the best jiu-jitsu guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they know that rolling with this guy is going to benefit them down the line, you know? Do you have, like, draw from your own experience at all? Because people might not remember this because they aren't as big a nerd as I am. But, I mean, this, you were, you were very close in terms of the way Ian's looked at now and the way you were looked at very all in your MMA career. Now, I think there's a bigger eye on Irish MMA in general now. But, but do you, can you draw from your own experiences from early on in your career? Yeah, you know, uh, what I would say with, um, with Ian is he'd be a lot better at carrying it than I was. Uh, never, never been like, um, I, like like I kind of uncomfortable with it. Like like I've never I, I heard one, <laughs> one of my amateurs didn't I? Uh, my my wife came up to watch the fights in Open Belfast, and one of my amateurs uh, I'm not going to name because I don't said to her here, can you take a photo for this fan? And I was like, I've never referred to anyone <laughs> in my whole life. Like I've never all everything I've ever done, I've never referred to anyone as a fan. I don't see that. I don't like I don't see myself. You just know, the big cringe shudder after yeah, she says yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. where like uh, like oh, we just I just lagged them better, and that, that that's probably the best way to approach those things. But like the likes, uh, Ian can take it on his shoulders a lot better than I can. And like I I, I don't know, I've, I've never met um, anyone like him out the back before. If I so calm and collected, you know, and just. Kind of, he, he, I, I, I think it's a big difference from you as well because like you'd be quite like me you'd be an anxious person probably in general so I mean is that weird to see shit myself in there fine now I'm not even going to get hit you know what I remember I'm Roddy told me that before he's like I feel like I'm actually more nervous for those fighting than my own fights now it's actually he said it actually helped him deal with his pre-fight jitters because he was coaching so much you know yeah you get but like I, I'm sitting in the corner going because I see how much they put in I see how much they like even at the weekend the army guys like uh, James did one of the corners with me and it's the first time he's cornered someone and he like he turns to me just before the fight and he goes i'm fucking shit myself mate <laughs> <laughs> and he was like how do you do this all the time i was like oh, i don't fucking know because like, i still get it for everyone i still get it once like once i've seen the guy put the graft in once i've seen him really like try and like and then f- i feel like he deserves it and i know how uh, unforgiven uh, uh uh fucking this sport is so like if you know, you could be doing great, dominating the whole fight, everything's done perfect, all calm, and then boom, one shot fight over. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to ask you, like, I mean, we we talked about James's fight and Ian's fight. What what fight are you most looking forward to that your guys aren't involved in that night? Now, there's a lot of them. There's six title fights on that night. It's absolutely insane. But is there one fight in particular? I've got to say, I'm really liking the top two fights, Dalby v. Houston and Grant v. Herbert. I think they're unbelievable. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm really looking forward to the Dalby Houston fight. I want to see how that one turns out. I have a you know, you have a keen eye on it. Um and I'm also looking forward to the light heavyweight fight because I'm gonna call out whoever wins that belt. Oh my god. Well there's a curveball for you. Wow. I want that uh, I want the KSW fight, I'd like a risen fight and then I'd like to fight uh, for the Cage Warriors title before I'm done. And that's another big prospect there in Martin Hamlet. Like, I mean, guys are singing this guy's praises from Scandinavia as well. He's 5-0, and very celebrated wrestler. Uh, I think he's won, like, something like 14 big wrestling honours. But Modestus Bukaukas, uh, who's an absolute savage of a striker we've yeah. seen in there, um, I'd like to see you against Zero, though. So that would be I, very interesting. I, I, I feel like Martin might win the fight just because of the stylistic matchup. And I think I am an absolute nightmare for him. So... He'll be getting called out quick smart. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, there, there is a, is a, is a bomb to end this whole bad boy on. Chris, absolute pleasure as always. You, you are better than this than I will ever be. Uh, and I, I love doing it with you. And thank you so much for, uh, saving Niall's ass on his job, to be honest. 
and I've got a better tash. Yeah, he's a way better tash, and he's got a bit of a tan. I hope you come back with something, Noel. Jesus Christ. But um, anything else to add there, uh, uh, Chris, or are we all done? Are we all wrapped up and ready to go? Uh, I'm all good. i got to go teach a class now anyway. So. Do you need me to do it? Are you sure? You could probably do some on the foot position. <laughs> Actually, do you know what? I'm about to lose my shorts, man. But uh, thanks so much, guys. We love his loads.